You're listening to the Ambitious Mama Podcast, and I'm your host, Krista Rialba. Hey, hey, mamas, Krista Rialba here, and I have another special episode for you to support you on your beautiful mind journey. If you have yet to say yes to this really powerful, beautiful, sacred journey, definitely do so. Head over to KristaRialba.com, sign up for free. It is 21 days of simple yet powerful prompts to help you heal, clear, and become stronger mentally. And as you become stronger mentally and you're feeling good and clear and present, guess what? Every area of your life benefits. So up next is a very special conversation with someone I've known for, oh my gosh, I think it's 12, 13 years. Her name is Stacy Ann Buchanan. She is a change maker. She is, oh my gosh, she, she is just a powerhouse. She, we're, I'm so grateful to know her. I'm so proud of the work she's doing. I only want to just lift her up and just help her help more people. She is the co-host of the Blind Stigma podcast, as well as the producer, the director of the documentary, the award-winning documentary, The Blind Stigma. She is an advocate for mental health specifically in the black community, okay? So she shares so vulnerably her story, her struggles, and and her journey through mental health. And so bravely, so boldly, she's out there advocating for people to heal, to clear, to be empowered, to ditch the stigma, and to to really to, to, to speak their voice and their truth. I'm so proud to know her. She has done so many incredible things and has been it was so generous in this episode really sharing her journey. So you're probably going to want to have a pen and paper, maybe a couple tissues, but definitely stay tuned to the end because there is a a call to action and a way for you to really amplify and support her cause and I'm so proud to have to say that Mike and I my husband we are um, we're cheering her on we are helping her to help more people so without further ado you guys let's go and please um, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend Stacey Ann Buchanan all right welcome mamas all the ambitious mamas listening I have a longtime friend with me Stacey Ann Buchanan and um and I was just saying to her before we press record, thank you so, so, so much for being here and for spending this time with us because um, in terms of this topic of mental health and wellness, girl, you've been advocating for this for a while and I am so honored to have you here to bring to light this conversation around mental self-care. So welcome, Stacey Ann. Thank you for having me, Krista. Thank you. And let's tell everyone who is just meeting you for the first time a little more about your background. Like you're an actress, you've been, uh, I mean, you've been doing so many things since I met you, what, 12-ish years ago or maybe even longer? Yeah, I believe so. I believe, I think it was around 2011 or maybe before, way before, maybe 2009. 
I'm not sure, but it's been, we've, we've been in contact and been friends for a very long time, but um, yeah, I'm, it's funny every time I say the word actress, because I just remember like a few months ago, I was just like, I am going to remove this from my title. I don't want to do acting anymore. It's just, it's something that I've just been going in and out, in and out. But you know, when you have this God-given talent and it's just, it's just there for you. So acting is a thing that I take up and I go, or I put it down if it gets too stressful. So, you know, I'm just going to claim it. I am an actress. Um, I am a filmmaker. I am a producer. I am also a mental health advocate. Mm -hmm. so important to me and a TEDx speaker. I'm a public speaker as well, a keynote speaker. And overall, overall, a motivational leader. Yes, you are. <laughs> and you don't just inspire, you empower, you create change. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I'm a mom. How could I forget the mom title in the world? I am a mother. She's like a mini you. She's so gorgeous. Oh my gosh. So, so friends, am I saying it right? Friends? Yes. Yes. She's 14 months old. Yes. So what has that been like, the journey to mamahood? Oh my gosh. It's been so beautiful. I am very fortunate because I... My daughter is just truly amazing. Um, she sleeps at night. She sleeps like 10 to 12 hours a night. She eats everything. There's, she's not refusing food. I mean, she doesn't like mangoes, which is shocking, but um, she doesn't refuse food at all. She's just a very beautiful, joyful baby. She's just a happy baby. And I believe I, I did manifest her. I've had dreams of me i've wanted a child for eight years before i had friends for eight years it's been my greatest wish my deepest desire i've just wanted a child for so long and i just remember having a dream one time of this baby i didn't know if it was a boy or a girl but this boy, baby had the most beautiful face like her face or his or her face just shone brightly so every time you see her face it brought people joy it doesn't matter what you were going through in life her face that face brought you joy and so I was just like, wow, I, I kept that. I kept that dream journal. I kept that little dream and just uh, journal it away and pocket it away. Mm -hmm. And when Franz came and just the, and just how people react to her, I'm like, I know this is, this is my dream. This is, this is my gift. This is my greatest gift from God. Her middle name is Sun, S-U-N, because I was just like, because her face, the dream that I got just reminded me that this face was going to be so bright, like the sun, it's just going to light up people's lives. Yes. And <laughs> I see that. I see that when I see her, her photos and her beautiful videos that you share. I hope to meet her in person one day. Yes, of course. Next time I'm in Toronto, whenever that happens. Now, I remember, so you're, you've been dreaming about her, um, or this, this being, this beautiful light being for eight years. And, and I feel like I remember a conversation actually with you around like that time. And I was because I, I was here for, I moved back home to where I am now. And I remember just being in my bedroom at my old house, having a conversation with you. And I think you were maybe out West. Yes, I was out West in Vancouver um, at the time. And I, I, I can share this now, something that I don't normally share, but I had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and that totally rocked my world and crushed me, just crushed me totally. And so it's from, it's from there, like I've, I've just been wanting this child because my mis miscarriage was very painful. Um, 
I found out I miscarried at 11 weeks, but my, my baby had died in me for five weeks and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rubbing my belly and, and, and talking to my belly and, and not knowing that there wasn't life in there. Mm-hmm. And then just to, and because at the time too, when I had gotten pregnant, I, I was shocked. I wasn't, I wasn't, I, it, pregnancy wasn't in my plans. I was planning on moving out to Vancouver to go pursue this acting career. And so I said, okay, I'm going to stay home. I'd gotten a condo and everything and ready to move. And I said, okay, I'm going to stay back. I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to need to be around family. And then to have it, my baby taken away, totally crushed me. So I still hop on a few months later and just said, you know what, I'm just going to go out and, and pursue my dream of being famous like Halle Berry. <laughs> but um it 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 really crushed me and um so I guess around that time we were talking I it I don't think people understand well I know the listeners some mothers are going to relate when you've had a miscarriage and you have friends and family around you that are having babies and you you're attending baby showers and you're attending christenings and you're 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 happy for your friends and deep down when you come out come inside go inside your car or go home you're breaking down yeah. Because it's hard. But I also understood at that time that that because I'm I'm on the same frequency and so whatever I'm seeing, my time is coming. My time is coming. And I had to keep telling myself that. And I and I honestly, even though I was telling myself that, I kinda not believed it would be because I had fibroids as well. I had 17 fibroids and I had to get surgery to remove 17 and one of them was big as a honey melon, a honeydew watermelon. So many things I'm sharing that I've never shared publicly, um, but I, I I feel this is such an organic organic conversation. You're such a beautiful soul. Obviously, I can share that with you and with your guests. So even having that surgery, and um, I was like, okay, am I ever gonna have a child? So Prince is just a beautiful a beautiful gift. It, it honestly, she's my most precious gift ever. And I, and I love this little girl so much. She, she, she lights up my entire world. Oh, so, <laughs> so beautiful, Stacian. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad our conversation is actually going here. And thank you so much for sharing that because uh, what is it? One in five-ish women experience a miscarriage. Maybe even it's higher than that. Um, and I experienced one, um, uh, three years ago and it's, the void is never, it's always there. The void's there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always the question of, you know, what, it, what if, what if, um, she came to be. And, uh, and that is, that is something that I think as, at least from my experience, having the miscarriage you know, and I was with a midwife, I was really um, horrified to see how it was treated and how it was dismissed. And how it was just like, hey, you're, you know, you're, we're done treating you. And I was like, but I'm not, you know, it was it's just interesting how I, I just expected more from midwives in general in terms of care. Mm-hmm. And it seemed that um, I, because I, I called them out on it. I said, is it, have you like neglected care of me in terms of what's happening to my body, what to expect during this miscarriage, how I'm afterwards, how I'm doing mentally, physically, et cetera, because there's no billing code. 
And I called them on this and, and they admitted hundred percent. There's no, there's no procedure to take care of a woman when she has a miscarriage. It's like no baby, no care. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, and so to all the women who are, who are experiencing this, I hope you had better um, care than I did, but regardless, I think society in general kind of dismisses like, Oh, she had a miscarriage. It's just like, that just happens. But it's, it's, it's never, at least for me. And and it sounds like for you, it's something that is always something that's with us. Of course. It's not something that just happens. You know, you, you feel like a part of you, a part of you did pass away too. Mm -hmm. A part of you did. And, and it's, and, and it's a hard void to fill, you know? And, you know, you, I remember my friend Heather shared a beautiful poem with me about babies that, and it really saved me, babies that knew, they choose you, right? We know they choose us as their parents and they, it's like a miscarried child know that they're going to be miscarried, but they chose you. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard lesson, but it's a lesson or it's a, it's a growth that you needed to grow through. And so they sacrificed that for you. It's a beautiful poem. I wish I, I don't know where it is right now, but all I know is that that, that poem kind of saved me knowing that they know that this was going to happen and it's okay. I'm not, I'm not gone. I'm still here with you. And something magical happened too. When I was in Vancouver, I met somebody and we were sitting around a tree and we were just talking and I hadn't told this person what I'd went through at all. And all of a sudden he started telling me about a friend of his that um, she, her mother had trouble having a baby, getting pregnant. And um, so the mother was about to adopt. And when she adopted, about to adopt, she found out that she was pregnant with her. Mm-hmm. And one day she was about three or four, or between three or four or five. She was sitting on the floor, her mother was clicking and she was playing with her dolls. And she said to her mom, you know, mommy, I wasn't ready to come yet. Mm-hmm. And the mom started breaking down crying. And then that's when I disclosed my story to my friend and who's now a lifelong friend. And he was just like, you know what, Stacy, your baby's coming. You won't know when, but your baby's coming. And little things like that gave me comfort. Yeah. Comfort and, and it's just, what are you supposed to learn in this period and how are you supposed to grow it's very painful I will never it's very painful and for everybody every experience is different but um yeah yeah Mm. so love to all the mamas who have gone through that and also you know gratitude to our angel babies who are with us and guiding us and bringing us joy hopefully in different ways yeah okay so um, you, ha- so advocating for mental health and, uh, and your, your podcast, which we didn't even say the name of it. I don't think the, the blind stigma podcast as well as yeah. the documentary, the award-winning vet documentary that you brought to life. Um, I think the, this whole word, this whole idea of stigma, um, that's in the title of, of your podcast. I've never really kind of really broken that down of what does that look like mental health? Like, what does that feel like? And then just recently, over the last like, even week, when I've been bringing this program to life, um, Beautiful Mind, 21 Days of Mental Self-Care, I was realizing my own um, fear around talking about mental health as, as if it was a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, it, I don't know why there was the disconnect, but I never, I never thought that I carried any shame around that. 
Um, but I realized that I, there was, when I was posting, there was some resistance of how it would be received on the other end of social media if people want to learn about it. And then I, but how I really feel, and I'm I'm excited to hear your uh, standpoint on this is I think we should be proactive with our mental health rather than reactive. Because if we have the tools that when we um, do meet some anxiety or maybe it's something that it's, it's an ongoing thing, then we can be stronger. But I think as a society, we think it's more, we wait till something's happening to fix it. So I, th- I really would love to be part of this conversation of um, being proactive with your mental health and practicing mental self-care daily because you deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do agree with you. I, I think sometimes the reason why it's not addressed or people don't really realize what is happening is because they don't have the correct term. And some of us are possibly living in denial and probably thinking, no, this can't happen to me. Or we just don't know what is happening to our bodies. Why are we reacting that way? How are we seeing things differently? How is our perspective of change? Why am I feeling triggered by certain things? And Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think mental health isn't talked about enough or if it is talked about, or if it's, if it's, if it's barely like a little bit of the gravy on the plate, it's, it's talked about with, maybe anxiety or just depression, the two main ones, right? And, and not a lot of preventative matter, um, measures or even how we can navigate through it by, by saying, conducting daily check-ins with yourself, mm-hmm. daily check-ins with your kids, you know? Yeah. And also there's a, there's, a, there's a huge stigma of shame. Mm-hmm. I, I advoc- as a mental health advocate, I mainly advocate too for mental health within the Black community because as a Jamaican woman who came here to Canada and when I experienced my, when I was going through my mental illness, my, my journey, my parents didn't know how to react. Mm-hmm. They, or their reaction was very dismissal. Like mm-hmm. this isn't happening to you. You could just drink some tea, read your Bible, everything will be okay type of thing. And also it's, it festers because within me things were happening and I was ashamed to talk about it. I just didn't understand why I was having suicidal ideations or why I was so depressed, not speaking on the phone, like not showering for days, not brushing my teeth for days, mm-hmm. not eating myself silly or not eating at all. I just didn't understand what was happening to my body, mm-hmm. but I knew something was wrong. And, and I hope I'm answering the question too, but I, in answering the question, I want to take it to my personal journey just so I can give the audience uh, um, just a, just a, just a, just a pendulum swing as to where I'm coming from. So it's, I, I struggled with anxiety first and this happened while I was living in Vancouver. Um, there are things that I was anxious about. I was turning 30. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have the kids. I didn't have the house with a picket fence. I didn't have anything. So mm-hmm. I figured I should have a super career. I should have a banging career. And so I was just like, I got to get super famous. I, I got to get something because society says that 30 is this huge number and you should have accomplished so many things by 30. So I put pressure on myself to make it as a, as an actress, so much pressure. And when that wasn't happening, I was experiencing anxiety. I didn't even know what it was until a friend of mine who's actually my roommate said, you're, you're showing exhibitions of anxiety because I wouldn't eat. And if I did eat, I was eating really fast. I wouldn't sleep. Everything was just moving really fast. Mm-hmm. So she suggested that I go to the doctor and I checked it out. They ran a whole bunch of tests on me and it did came back that I have anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they prescribed a drug for me, a prescription Valium. And I just remember looking at that prescription and thinking to myself, I remember doing a scene in acting school and Valium is the crazy people drug. So they're telling me I'm crazy. So I decided that I'm going to um, repeat, re- repeatedly say mind over matter, mind over matter. And I, and I strongly believe that I beat my anxiety or so I thought for a week until it came back so rapidly, my, I was shaking and all the time. And I, I, I was just, my heart felt like it was just beating a million miles per second and that it was stuck in this cage. And with every beat, my heart is growing bigger and bigger, but the cage is growing smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I, I have the power somehow to control it, but I couldn't control it. It's, it's a mind blowing thing. It's uh, just thinking about it and thinking about where I was is giving me triggers, but I knew I wasn't well. So I had to come home and the thought of coming home and not making it and not being famous. Like I thought I would be mm-hmm. spiraled me way into, into depression. And my depression came in two waves. I don't think people, people know about the, the usual one where the blinds are closed. You're not talking to anyone. You're not picking up your phone or like I, ex- I explained before, um, not showering or eating yourself so you're not brushing your teeth. But what I experienced that was really different was another part of my depression came in the, in the part where I will dress to the nine. Everything that I had on was expensive. Everything was like brand name, lipstick, makeup. Everything was done because I knew I was sick. And so I tried to mask it by looking good on the outside. And I went out and I partied and I danced and I laughed. And so I tried to mask this because I'm like, this is how I can cure myself. I'm gonna mask it and pretend to be happy. And so I had, for the longest while, I, I, I lived a life of facade of happiness, this facade of happiness that I was doing for myself. And it was just slowly killing me. Mm. Because when you come back home from being out there, outside and showing that big bright smile and you come back home, you gotta face what you're really going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I remember going to my father talking about it and my dad, um, was dismissive. But when I look back, my dad is only dismissive because of what his parents taught him, my grandparents and what their parents taught them. So it was like a generational teaching that he can only handle what he knows about mental illness to me. Or whenever somebody feels like they're not themselves, like it's, it's automatically in Jamaica, it's automatically labeled as you're mad. You've gone mad. That's just it. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. And mm-hmm. my dad said something ignorant to me that actually saved my life. And he said, you know, since you like to talk so much, because I kept on telling him, telling him, he's like, how about you tell your business to strangers? He was just scared that if I tell a friend, the friend was going to tell another friend and somehow it's going to reach back home that he was raising a mad daughter. And that stigma and that shame was something that he didn't want on himself. And that's mm-hmm. what helped save my life, talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't mean to give a long backstory, but it's so important for us to check in with each other and check in with ourselves more importantly and to be honest with ourselves because the number one most lie that is told in this entire world is I'm fine. That is the most told lie ever is I'm fine. So there, there's a question for you right now. Um, and we were talking about this before we press record to, to anyone who's looking to check in on a friend who we know potentially is, is struggling with mental health um, on, on a, in a regular day. Um, and I know things are so heightened right now, um, through COVID, but also right now in society, things are coming to light. 
Um, so we, we might want to be checking on different friends, but what is the appropriate thing to say? Like, do you have any advice around that? Yeah, I think it's so common to say, how are you? But how are you during this time, even for myself, as being a mental health for five years, I, I was like, this is, this question is triggering. Mm. It's actually triggering because how do I answer this properly just to say, no, I'm not okay. So to answer your question, it's, it's so tricky and difficult because you want to, you definitely want to ask, how are you? But you can ask it in a certain way or you can say certain things like, but you also don't want to give, you don't want to say, I know you're not okay. You don't want to say that, right? But you could you could say things like, I'm just checking in on you, um, seeing your progress. I hope I hope everything is good. I've I baked some cookies or do you like flowers? I would love to give you some flowers. Little things like that that kind of like takes your mind away, but not remind them that they're in this, I don't want to say slum, it's not the correct term but not remind them of the turmoil that they're currently facing. Not that they should deny it, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just little, it's the little things that matter. It's just a little, do you feel for company today? You know, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I know this, I know summer is coming up. Um, I haven't really, I want to definitely make sure I'm taking in getting my water intake. Are you getting your water intake? Hey, I got this great bottle of Amazon and I'm speaking personally and it, it's a gallon a day and it's great because it tells you 7 a.m. It gives you motivational quotes. Would you like one of those? It's worked wonderfully for me or, you know, or if you ever want to talk, I'm here and, and I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm here to listen because sometimes I don't think people understand when somebody's going through a, a turmoil, they're going through this point in their life. We don't need, and I say we, because I just remember where I was. We don't need advice. We don't need um, tips. We don't need tricks. We don't need stuff that you, we don't need you to personalize it and tell us about your life and what you did. We don't need anything. We just need you to listen. That is I think it. that is the most incredible advice. And, and, and listening and listening without judgment just just listen not compare to say oh but you have this beautiful car this beautiful house things yeah. are amazing you're married like no everybody's struggle is different and we're not here to compare struggles but just please just listen to me because everybody that is struggling they, they they're, they're struggling to find a safe space and and sometimes that safe space is within a friend that they call and if they call you to say something trust me it took a lot of strength to call that one person. They, it, it's an honor that you have been given and it's a privilege that you've been given when someone can call you and say, hey, I'm not doing so good. Just, just listen. Yeah. Oh, I think that advice there is, um, I, I hope everyone listens to it and uses it and uh, I will definitely be using it. And I can also see how it's it's like the most well-meaning people can can say something that is so triggering and i mean i i'm just going back to to my own journey of depression and anxiety with postpartum it's like that question was just so loaded like it's like god i'm like barely hanging on by a thread like don't ask like you know because you're maybe you forgot about it for a second or you're just trying to feel normal for a second and then someone asks that and it can feel can feel like that's the least the, the last thing you want to hear 
Yeah. It's such beautiful advice. I'm going to use that with people in my life too, who are struggling. Beautiful. Now you touched on a few things. You're so generously sharing your story and your heart. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I'm sure all the women listening are as well. You mentioned a few things that I thought we could dive into. Um, this whole idea of this facade and, you know, cause I mean, you always, you've always looked so gorgeous and glamorous and, <laughs> And I'm following you and like, oh, I wish I could be like Suzanne. Or Barry. I want to be like Suzanne. Um, but we're talking about like let's talk about social media because I know that our our brain, we like, okay, we know that people are putting their best foot forward, but we're still comparing ourselves mm -hmm. on social. What can what can you say about that whole topic? And I think we could probably maybe even segue this into more about social media and how how and when to unplug and how to use social media as a positive force you do it so well yeah it's um you the social media game is very tricky because you could be there comparing your life to someone right and you're comparing your chapter one to their number chapter 25. Mm -hmm. the comparison game is it it's the worst thing that you could ever do. It's such a disservice, mm -hmm. injustice to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no need to compare. And I've said this to people all the time, and I've even put it on my stories and put it in my posts. If you follow me and my, my posts make you feel any form of negative emotion, whether it be, I didn't say whether jealousy or anything, but if it's jealousy, if it's dislike, if you then look at yourself and be like, you wish you had this, then please unfollow me. Mm -hmm. Because you should not be following any accounts on social media that bring any negative emotion to you. Everything should be positive and uplifting. And if you're going through a hard time right now and you've seen somebody on your storyline who's doing amazing, they're married, they have a new baby, they have an amazing job, they're going on vacation, and somebody that you truly love but seeing their happiness bothers you, we're human beings hey, we are human beings. So, you know, these are emotions that we go through. But if it bothers you, mute them. Mute them. I've had people, you know, when people have told me, mamas too, that, you know, they had to mute me or unfollow me just because they were going through a hard time. And it just seemed like I was just winging this mother's thing or it was just so, it just make it seem so easy. And I was like, you know what, good for you. Absolutely. I don't take offense in that at all. Because I think we are so easy to take offense when we shouldn't, because you just make sure that you're taking care of your mental health. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game and it's a, and it's a really tricky, hurtful, self-destructive game that you can go on when you go on social media. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you're grounding yourself and make sure that you're so grounded within yourself, really, that you go on there and you look, you, you, you click, you take in, you do your research, you save whatever you need to save. You comment whatever you need to comment and you get back to your reality. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all it is. It's it's people's highlight reels. You know, yeah. of course, it's not just all of that to, you know, we're we're seeing injustice, we're seeing blatant murders, we're seeing all these different things, especially in during this time right now. And mm -hmm. you're seeing that, and that can be triggering. As for myself, that was so triggering. And like I, I said to you, Krista, like I've been on social media since I believe 2006, and this mm -hmm. is the first time in my life where I'm actually off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give myself a timeline as to when I may potentially come back on. I know I will, definitely, but 
I had to deactivate my Instagram and my Facebook just because I didn't even, even deleting the apps from my phone wasn't good enough because I didn't want any notification or, or even be tempted to reinstall. I was just like, you know what, let me just completely deactivate my account and uh, take a breather, take a huge breather because I was just, I was consuming a lot. And when consuming a lot too, I'm also doing research and I'm writing things down and then people are messaging me about how they're doing and I'm, and I'm pouring into them and giving advice and I'm, and I'm just running empty. I'm running solo, solo. And so I had to honor my body, honor my mind and said, okay, this, this right now is not serving me. Instagram and Facebook is not serving me right now. Yes. So I am going to need to take a break. And it's been two days. <laughs> But it's been great. It's 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 been great. There are little times when I'm sitting down and and my daughter is already bathed and and had her dinner and I'm like, okay, maybe I have a time to check. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. There's something else that you could do. I'm surprised people are knocking down your door and saying, "Are you there?" Oh my god, people are messaging. My my friends are sending me screenshots. I only actually told one friend. I mean, I told my partner obviously, and and um my my parents or whatever. They're not really on there. But one, my brother is not even on anymore, but one friend and he was just like sending me screenshots of people saying, where did Stacey go? Did she block me? Because like, if you look up my name, it just says like user not found or something. So it could look like on Instagram, like I blocked you when I just didn't. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm, I'm so proud of you for doing that. I mean, I can't even fathom me going off for two days since I've been building my business since for 15 yeah. years online. I haven't been off for a day. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's the thing that scared me the most. I'm like, I, I build my business off of there. I sell my tickets from there. I tickets to my events, everything. But at the same time, and then I just did an, an interview with City TV last Friday. And so the, the, the followers are coming and the messages are coming in to be on this, to be on that. And I was like, you know what? I have a website. I have an email address. Yes. And they email me. They, they will find a way. They, they will find a way. That is such a bold, fierce self-care move. Like yes, because you know what, Krista, I believe in this one universal law that what is meant for me will never miss me. Yes. It will never miss me. Absolutely. Whatever opportunity that I may think I'm missing out on, no. God loves me. The universe loves me. I will get that. Right now, for me to take on anything and to take it all in. I need to give myself a, some, a complete self-care makeover. And not just the self-care, it's also about self-love and self-appreciation, which is so hard to do because I'm, I'm my biggest critic. So, I, you know, just appreciating the heck out of myself, everything that I'm doing, just appreciate myself. And, and, and myself is thanking me for the last 48 hours. And, oh, you know, I want to continue. I'm continuing. And I've gotten up early in the morning, sunrise, and doing my yoga on my balcony. And it's just, it's just so rejuvenating and it just feels great. <laughs> sounds so dreamy. You're going to come out just like this new, beautiful butterfly, like stronger and better than ever. Even yeah. if 48 hours, like it's so incredible. Way to go. Thank you. So good. Okay. So, I mean, we could definitely wrap up right now. Cause I think that, that you just really summed it up and that was so powerful. Um, let's just spend and just let's give some the the listeners a little bit more actionables in terms of in terms of social media because I think right now we have it's kind of two part we have this 
this opportunity to be a part of change. It's a very important time in history, right? And on, on multiple facets, um, but also protecting our self-care, so protecting our, our, our mental wellness. So would you say there are ways for us to stay strong mentally and also be a part of, of difficult conversations? And I, I, I truly believe that what's coming to light right now in the world is, is a, hu a human issue. It has nothing to do with race or, or specific anything, right? Like it's, I think we have a, an opportunity to be a part of change. How do I you help women to also feel strong in doing it? My thing is the way that you can feel strong in doing this is, is to, is to realize that this, this is not about you. So if it's like, let, let's talk about the black community, for instance, that is usually, that is usually affected by the injustice. This is the biggest civil war in history, 2020. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This year is going to go down in history. I mean, every year is about this year. And so when you look at it from that point of view and you take yourself from it, you take, you take yourself from it, you take your, your, your feelings from it, you take, you take, I'm getting stressed out about this. You take yourself from that narrative mm -hmm. and you look at the narrative and the injustice of black people that has been going on for centuries. Mm -hmm. And you say, this is not about me. It's, it, you know, I, I think not what I think, what the community, the black community wants, the my community wants is not so much allyship, but mm -hmm. allyship, but it's more, it's more of actions. Mm -hmm. So when you see any injustice, racial discrimination, profiling, blatant racism happening, talk about it, speak up. Mm -hmm. Your voice is so powerful that people don't even understand. And if you, and if you remove yourself from the narrative, then it becomes, you, you're moving your ego from it and you're seeing it from a bigger, wider picture and saying, yes, this is a world issue. And look at what is happening, what, that, what, it, like, what is blatantly happening to one race and what one race has been, been going through. Because I will tell you this right now, as a black woman, the struggle that I'm facing, that it is, is this emotional war, mm -hmm. right? You know, do you speak up and, 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 and lose potential clients, jobs, be labeled as the angry black man or the angry black woman, or do you remain silent and, and, and be remaining silent? What is that doing to your mental health? Yeah. It's killing you because you see it happening all the time and people can argue and say, well, it's not happening to you. Well, have you heard about post trans um, post-generational trauma, transgenerational trauma. Have you heard about that? Mm -hmm. DNA. So you're feeling that. You're feeling that constantly. And and I'm and I and I am proud to say I am I am that black woman that speaks out. Mm -hmm. I have a platform, not only in my platform, but I have a voice. Yes. I have a voice. And I have a young black daughter. Yes. And there needs to be change. And so the change, the change occurs within us. The change occurs with, within us teaching ourselves, learning things, and, and also speaking up and not, and not just saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be an ally and, and, and post something or post Blackout Tuesday. No, it's not about being an ally and doing that. It's about taking actions. Mm -hmm. Because doing something on Facebook, like we say, or social media, mm -hmm. let's do it in real life as well. Let's take those actions and do it in real life as well. Yes. Let's, we're... Let's work together. Let's, you know, that's, that's how we're going to dismantle it. Systematic racism. You know, it is there. And, and sometimes it's just, sometimes you don't even really recognize it. 
you don't recognize it. I I have friends that say, talk about my white friends that will call me and, and we're talking. And I was like, do you remember when I was working at a job this one time and the boss said that you should be working up front more, not me? It's like, oh my God, you don't even realize what is happening. Mm. Justice, that is, that is a daily thing. And then also one thing I want people to understand is, is to, when people are coming out and sharing their stories, don't disregard their stories or think their stories is just, oh, now you're talking about it because so-and-so, but you've had a good life. No, no, it, it's, a, it's a daily struggle. And like I said, it's that struggle of, do you even speak up and be labeled as this or lose anything? Now, now is the time to, to, to amp- everyone should be amplifying black voices from the get-go. Like I've been doing that for so long. And now is the time where we're just standing on the roof and amplifying it. Mm. So I think I don't, I, I don't get too passionate, but it's just, it, it, it's just, it's actions. There's so much action that need to be done. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's doing this, it's working actively to do, to, to, to bring across it and, and to do it together, you know? So, yeah. I am so, so grateful that you do the work that you do, that you, you're just such a blessing to everyone, Stacey, and I'm so grateful for you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. And, and, I'm, and I'm so happy that you're taking this time to recharge because, like, we need you. We need you strong. We need you out there. We need you feeling full and healthy because... It's like I was saying, when I emerge, oh my God, I don't even know if I'm going to know this woman, but I know it's a brand new woman that's going to reemerge. <laughs> Oh, I love you even more. (laughs) So I'll just tell the listeners here and and I'll do a proper summary afterwards. But if you guys want to, to, in terms of amplifying black voices and and being a part of this, like uh, look at what Stacey Ann is doing with the Blind Stigma podcast with the documentary. Um, Can you just give a quick shout out for uh, the GoFundMe right now? I think that's yeah, a great so, opportunity um, for everyone. Yeah, so the GoFundMe is is there. If you type in the GoFundMe or my name is Stacey Buchanan or the Blind Stigma podcast, you'll see that what I'm doing is 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 raising raising money to create um, a permanent studio to record the podcast, workbooks and workshops to go align with my work, and to just continuously provide a safe spaces where where the black community can come together and really start sharing 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 because sharing and speaking about it is is a number one is a it's a shame and it's the number one stigma in the in the community and a lot of it is because they don't feel safe mm-hmm. so that's that's so important to me not just as the host of the podcast which i co-host with dr natasha williams it's not just being the host I want to make sure the safe space is for us, the host, for the guest, and also for the listeners as well. Yeah. It's it's so important. So I've I I thought about it too. You know, to be honest with you, I'm like I'm doing this GoFundMe. Um, this is such an unprecedented climate and political climate and everything like that. We're looking into it, and I'm like, oh, right now, I, I question myself. Right now is the time, and I'm like, yes, it is the time because I've been doing the work, and I want your audience to know, like everything I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. If you know, I've, I've, I've created this, um, the show called the mystic effect, which was an annual show that showcases people's, um, art. So it's an art and fashion show and everybody there has been 
it's it's their first time. So I use people that are new to the industry and I put them on a platform to be for them to be seen. When I did the documentary, the podcast, everything I've ever done in my life has never been has always been funded solely by me. Mm-hmm. And I do it because not only it's my calling and my purpose and my passion, but I do it because it needs to be done. And this is my first time creating a GoFundMe or even asking. And it's, and it's, I was a little embarrassed. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know how to better word it, but I was like, am I, should I? But I was like, I want to do so much with the community. And I know that what I'm giving back or what I'm going to do is bigger and larger than what I'm doing right now. So yeah. part, of, part of the expanding the franchise of the blind stigma is to then create a book to go along with that and, and so much more an app. There's so much more I want to do. This, the work doesn't stop. The work isn't, isn't for now or the work isn't like, okay, maybe, maybe it's in this time frame. No, this is my passion. This is my lane. This is where I'm walking in. And this is where I'm continuing to grow. This is, this, is, this is the legacy that I'm leaving. This is what I'm leaving for, not just my daughter, but for, for, for fellow, the future generation coming up. Absolutely. This is dismantling and changing the stigma mm-hmm. because this stigma is a silent killer and mm-hmm. no more. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you are, you deserve to receive. And that is why Mike and I, we were happy to put in our donation and you guys like, Stacey Ann is, that is a good use of your dollars, you know, support her, amplify her and her and Dr. Natasha are doing such great things. And I'm so excited to see where you guys take it next and to cheer you on, to support you, to spread the word and, um, and most importantly, to be there for you for anything that you need. Thank yes. you. And, and to the fellow mamas out there, I would love to connect with you guys and don't worry, I will be back. I will be back shortly. I'm just going to refuel and come back on social media, but Yes, I'll be back shortly for sure. But again, thank you so much for having me, Krista. This is amazing. And congratulations on everything that you've done. I've seen you work, 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 constantly put in the work and and always smiling. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes, man, that smile, you, we have our own personal struggles, you know, but you never let that on. And that is such a, a great trait to have it's such a strength that you possess i don't think you understand that is that is one of your strength that you possess so continue spreading sunshine rainbows and lollipops and (laughs) and and sparkles into people's lives and and do and you're doing it so effortlessly you're doing it by just being you you're not doing it because this is this is oh i'm just gonna put on this face no this is you this is you to your core and I love and respect that about you. So please continue spreading your light. Do not dim your light for anyone. Oh, thank you so much. You just spoke right into my heart. <laughs> love to you and to enjoy this time with your daughter. This is this, oh, this time to unplug and just be, enjoy every second. And let me know as soon as you're back online. <laughs> I will. I will. I will for sure. Okay. Love you, girl. Talk soon. You. Thank you Bye. So much for your time. Yes. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to tune into this very special, powerful episode. 
And please consider taking action and going to Stacey Ann's uh, GoFundMe for the Blind Stigma podcast to support her and Dr. Natasha to help more people. The link is in the show notes and also you'll see me talking about it, promoting it. If you need access to the link in another way, just DM me. I will definitely send it over to you. And thank you so much all from the bottom of my heart, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the Ambitious Mama podcast. Thank you for leaving reviews. It is my absolutely honor to be here with you and to be sharing these special conversations. We'll talk soon.